Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time, when you think your career is heading in one direction, and then it takes an unexpected turn. And maybe it'll get back, and maybe it was just a detour, maybe it was, you know, a side street to get me back into the parade. But I have to say, these last two to three years have really impacted my perspective on life. Coming up, dealing with the unexpected in career and life. But first, a word about our sponsor and about marketing yourself. Every decision about you and your opportunities is made in a room you're not in, which begs the question, can you do anything about the conversation in that room? Joanna Bloor, a former guest on the show, believes you can. And it starts with knowing how to talk about who you are and why you're important. Joanna is on a mission to get us to talk about ourselves in a new way. Uncover your unique value, then learn how to share it with others. So that in that room, they're telling your story and articulating your value the way you want. Organizations including Microsoft, EY, 21st Century Fox and Cartier have all brought Joanna in to talk to employees from entry level to executive with remarkable results. Go to joannablore.com and check out her services page to find out more. That's J-O-A-N-N-A-B-L-O-O-R.com. Reference the broad experience and receive 10% off a workshop or individual coaching. So in this show, we're going to revisit a guest I first interviewed a few years ago. I re-released that show two weeks ago. It's called Authenticity Versus Conformity. So hopefully you've had a chance to acquaint yourself with Lauren Tucker. Lauren is a longtime advertising executive and a specialist in data-driven marketing. I'd been wanting to catch up with her to find out what she did next. Because when we spoke, I knew she was getting itchy to do her own thing. One thing you may remember about Lauren she always looks on the bright side. When I last spoke to you, which was in the summer of 2014, you were still at the Martin Agency, an an ad agency in Virginia. But even then, you were talking about the possibility of maybe going out on your own and starting your own business. Can you sort of take us back to what happened next? Yeah, so I started Cooler Heads Intelligence in January of 2015. Data, at least at that time, it just wasn't as integral to what the Martin Agency was doing. I thought it might be a great opportunity at that point to start my own company. The chief data scientist also left the agency and came on as Lauren's business partner. She says they wanted to be successful enough that they could hire plenty of women and people of color, Lauren is both, and help make the STEM field more diverse. 
and they did add a few employees as the business grew. Lauren spent a lot of time going out and making contacts, landing new business. We did well, you know, especially for our first year in business. The challenge is you have to have a stomach for it. You have to have a stomach for discomfort. You have to be comfortable with ongoing discomfort. And my business partner was not comfortable with that. Do you mean just all the... The, the sort of insecurity of starting a new business and doing everything yourselves and being out there in front? I think that's a major part of it. I think if you really have to have a salary, you feel like you have to have that kind of security, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. You just don't have that. You have to be willing to sacrifice. I also think that he was very, he had a very difficult time working with somebody, you know, a black female who was the majority owner of the business. And so that was probably the more shocking part of it. And she was shocked because she had hired this guy at their former agency and he'd worked there for five years. Obviously, there was a hierarchy at the agency and he hadn't worked directly for Lauren. He had worked for the guy under her. And as their relationship began to sour, she started looking back to his time at their former employer. Maybe I just didn't get it that he had these issues. It wasn't until later when I started having trouble in my own business with it, with him, that I found out from other women that worked with him and worked for him, again, two more layers down, right, that um, he was a problem. Now, why did you only find out later, do you think? I am finding, and I've, I'm finding this out more and more as I talk to younger women, they don't tell you at the beginning when things are a little calmer and you can get in a little easier. They, you know, I found in my experience that they wait until it just blows up. Then they come and talk to you or they leave and they go someplace else, and you don't get the truth until later. And that's really what happened, you know. And so I, I actually was very interested. I was like, well, why didn't you tell me these things when they were happening? And I think there's just a lot of fear at first about, I think maybe they're questioning themselves. Maybe it's me. Maybe I, I don't know. Then I think they go through a period of, well, she's not going to believe me, even though... I know we have a good relationship because that was what was so shocking. I mean, I had a good relationship with all of these women who told me this about him. And if at this point you're wondering what exactly we're talking about here, was this guy rude and dismissive of women? Was it worse than that? You're not the only one. I was probing until Lauren told me she couldn't discuss the details because... My lawyer said, you know what, you both need to just move on and no one needs to besmirch the other. Yep. Things got to the lawyer stage. Despite the fact that the business was doing pretty well, there had been disagreements about how much they should invest in marketing. And her partner felt he deserved more of a cut. And of course, I only have Lauren's story here. I have not talked to her former business partner. But she says he resented that she was the face of the business. She was the majority owner as well. The business was backed with some of her savings. She says he seemed to think that what she did was overvalued and what he did was undervalued. Was it all quite nasty at the end or did you? Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, luckily I had great lawyers and I brought them in and they handled 
the ongoing conversations because I, you know, there's a certain point where I'm not going to engage in ugly fights. I'm not, I'm not that kind of a person. I don't want to be that kind of a person. I'm not going to take somebody yelling at me on the phone and I'm not going to yell back. I mean, that's just not the way I work. It's just not professional. She says when she told her business partner, okay, if you're going to say these things, you can talk to my lawyers, he backed off. He didn't want things to go that far. But by that time, I was done. You know, I, my father was becoming extraordinarily ill at that point. He had congestive heart failure. And I needed to refocus on my life and my family. So they shut the company down. And he went off to start his own business. This was not what Lauren had imagined when she quit her job to become an entrepreneur. She had been so excited. And they were getting some great clients, doing good work. And then after 16 months, it was all over. Do you regret doing it? No, no. And I would have regretted not doing it. It was a good time to do it. I had saved up the money. And that's what I tell a lot of younger um, women. Be smart with your money so you have the freedom to do the kinds of things that, you know, I did. Like whether it's my own business where, you know, to live, I went through some significant savings. But I didn't, you know, I always paid my mortgage. I paid my bills. I didn't get into tremendous debt. And I never touched my retirement. So I think it's really important to, if you've got that kind of ability financially, you might as well take the chance and do it. You sound pretty sanguine about it at this distance, but was it the the whole coming apart and deciding, go our separate ways, break up the business? I mean, was that emotionally really tough? Yes. I mean, and I was angry for a very long time after that. For me, I mean, I'm not a typically angry person. But you can't help but hold a grudge in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think in part because I was forced to actually declassify the business. I mean, it would have been great had I just been able to take cooler heads and just move, keep moving forward with the, with the assets that we had built, the website, the, the whole bit. The fact that I had to take all of that down really made me angry. But there's an irony to this. I mean, once the business was down, that was when my father really started to get sick. Lauren turned her attention to her parents. They lived in the same town while her brother was five hours away. She was glad she could be around so much while her father's health got worse. Being able to have that kind of time, you know, going over there all the time, making sure everything was okay, giving my mom some relief from the situation, taking her out to dinner, all of that was great. Lauren's father knew she had been mulling something for a while, a move away from Virginia up to Chicago, She'd lived there before and she was eager to go back, start afresh in a bigger city. He told her, do it, just go. I won't be here for much longer. Your mother will be fine. Literally, I moved to Chicago and uh, at the end of June and he died about five days later. Wow, that's a lot to go through in one year. Oh, trust me. (laughs) I do not need to have another year like 2016. (laughs) I need to, I I definitely will say that. That uh, That was a very, very hard year. Culminating in the election of a president Lauren never thought would get the job. 
Right now, she volunteers her time as the Director of Marketing and Community Relations for Indivisible Chicago, the organization set up to resist the agenda of the Trump administration. In a minute, Lauren begins a new life in a new city and comes face to face with some stark realities. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So after 13 years of living in Richmond, Virginia, Lauren moved to Chicago a year ago. So tell me about Chicago, because you did mention that it was always your dream. You know, it's great. You're there. But making a big change at this point in your career is not without issues. Oh, lots and lots of issues. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of things. The great part about it is that I lived in Chicago before, which is why I wanted to come back. So I'm living in the same neighborhood area that I lived before that I loved. And I have a lot of friends that I've made over the years that are here in Chicago. So it wasn't like I was coming to a place where I didn't know anybody. On the other hand, the research and analytics job Lauren had secured in Chicago didn't work out. I've never really encountered this until my business and then this job that I had when I came up here where I just run into an abusive person. She was there for seven months. After that experience, she decided it was time to go back to the world of traditional ad agencies. But all her contacts were on the East Coast. She really hardly knew anyone in advertising in Chicago. And then there's the question of who she is. She does not look like most other people in the ad business. She says she has always been a ruthless optimist. But... Along with ruthless optimism comes persistent naivete. And um, I think as much as... I know intellectually that being a black woman is a challenge in an industry where there are maybe a hundred, I think the last census, there's only a hundred senior African-American women in advertising in this country. That's shocking and it's tragic. But in typical Lauren fashion, she began to think about how to turn the challenge into an opportunity she decided to be totally upfront on the job hunt. Just be open about, okay, I'm an African-American woman and I know how difficult it is for for agencies to find African-American women who have a lot of experience and um, who can operate at a very senior level. Well, here I am. I'm going to put myself in the path of opportunity. And uh, so I just was open, very transparent about it in every email that I sent out. And that certainly got me initial interviews. As my father said, being, being black and a woman works against you. You might as well use it to work for you every once in a while. So I did. I, you know, people might have questioned that approach, but I felt like 
if the agency industry, if the advertising industry was going to make a big deal about being, you know, diversity, then I'm going to make a big deal about it in my initial approaches to the agencies and say, if you're very, if you're serious about diversity, then you need to be serious about talking to me. She says it's worked to the extent she's met some senior people at ad agencies and had great conversations, conversations she hopes will lead to a job offer. At the same time, she says the recruitment machine is broken. I think especially for ad agencies, uh, the ebb and flow of human resources that are needed to staff accounts forces a situation where hiring managers are like, I need somebody. I got to find somebody now. Okay, great. Okay, that doesn't leave a lot of time for looking in different places to get that kind of diverse talent, not just in terms of people of color and women, but just some different thinking, right? I mean, you know, people think differently from different backgrounds. So they keep going to the same well over and over and over again. And I think partly because it's expedient, but also because I'm more comfortable working with people that look like me is kind of what I think happens. I think from the standpoint of the CEOs who are tasked with increasing diversity, I mean, you really think about what their primary job is. Their primary job is to make money for that agency, to increase revenue, show growth, show profitability. She says they may genuinely want a workforce made up of different types of people, but realistically, it's just not top of mind compared to making a profit. So her advice for women and people of colour? I think you really have to go aggressively and be transparent about, I am a black woman who is right here in front of you and has the capabilities that are going to really help you achieve your goals. To me, that may be the only answer for diversity I have because I, I've been in, in the ad business for, what, 30 years? And we're having the same conversations we had when I first started. So why haven't things changed? I think in part, the entire way that diversity is being talked about is still making the diverse candidates the problem, not where the problem lies, which is typically with the predominantly white and male management. And I think at the end of the day, I, you know, I don't want to see another panel with a bunch of black women talking about us as the problem. She wants to see a panel made up of white male CEOs where the onus is on them, where the audience can ask, What is going to get you guys motivated? I mean, let's just have an honest conversation. I get it. You're tasked with growth and diversity isn't always a straight line to growth. So what would get you to put this on the front burner and make this a real mission for you? And I think no one has really investigated that. Well, I really hope, I really have my fingers crossed for you that something great comes up with one of these firms so you can start making a difference. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I actually think something will come. I, you know, it is interesting. I'm getting ready to go take my mom to Europe. That was the thing that my father said, you go ahead and do that. She need, she deserves to go. And he was never going to do it because he's a World War II vet and never was going to return to Europe. <laughs> I think he had had enough. And so I had this time to, to go with her for two weeks. And then when I come back, hopefully, I, th I think I'm set up pretty well to find something pretty quickly after I come back. She's looking forward to spending some one-on-one -on -one time with her mom while they're sailing down the Rhine.
My mother's 85, and uh, she said this may be the last time she's able to take such an under, you know, to go on such an undertaking. But this is a woman who uh, has just, re- you know, we, we moved her into a new place a couple of weeks ago. And it's interesting how she's embracing this new chapter of her life and she's embracing all the good stuff that comes from being 85, which I think is really neat. She's letting her hair go gray and she's, you know, she's like, you know, your father never liked that, but I'm going to do that. She's redecorating, you know, she's painting walls and she's doing stuff. And, you know, your father never really liked that, but I'm going to do it. So I realize that she's just totally embracing her life after being a wife. And that's kind of interesting. Right. Not that she didn't love your dad, but now he's gone. She's making a, a new life on her terms. Yeah, and that's what's really cool because, quite frankly, they were so close and interdependent on one another. I I was afraid it could go the other way and that she might just kind of give up on life after that. But boy, I mean, it's just like a new, a whole new thing for her. So I think she's so excited and so happy about this new chapter of her life that now I think the boxes have been checked. And she's happy. My brother's happy that she's happy. And I have the chance to kind of focus now on building my life here in Chicago and really leaning in and and getting involved with civic life uh, in a way that I've never done before. And as I've told everybody that I've interviewed with, I will continue the work with Indivisible Chicago because I will not ever allow myself to become complacent about our democracy ever again. Lauren says she's always been a planner. Next steps have always been laid out in her head. But recent events have changed her way of thinking. Things have just happened that have turned my life into a totally different direction than I ever planned on. And maybe it'll get back and maybe it was just a detour. Maybe it was, you know, a side street to get me back, you know, into the parade. But I have to say... These last two to three years have really impacted my perspective on life and have changed the way that, as, as I told my mother, who said to me, I hope I don't just get on this trip and annoy you for two weeks. And I said, Mom, after the last two years that I've had, I, I'm thinking nothing you could do could annoy me at this point. <laughs> Now, when I spoke to Lauren, she was about to leave on that trip to Europe. She just got back. I checked in with her and she says she and her mother had a fabulous time together. That's the broad experience for this time. As usual, I welcome your comments. You can post on the Facebook page under this episode at thebroadexperience.com or just tweet me or email me. And you know, I mentioned in the last show that I've been pretty busy with work and that's why the show's schedule has been a bit off recently. If you're interested in checking out what I've been up to for the past several months, I've been working on a podcast series for Gimlet Creative and Virgin Atlantic. It's called The Venture. It's about pioneers in business, but possibly people you haven't heard of. Everyone from a highly successful, self-deprecating female chef to the guy who essentially invented reality TV by bringing us the real world to the very interesting and unusual family behind the Dr. Bronner's Organics brand. You can find The Venture on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Next time on the show. In the US, we are living at a highly divisive time. 
and liberal and conservative women do not always talk to each other. When we made the decision to reach out and create a bipartisan organization, I needed Republican board members and I needed Republican women who would support me. And I didn't know any. That's next time on the show. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.